Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 7. As our brother Paul continues on. Now you remember these chapter divisions and verse divisions. They're not inspired. They're not a part of the original text. They were added later. Now I'm glad they're there because they certainly do facilitate finding your scriptures. But they're not inspired. So here we've got chapter 7. After verse 18, it says chapter 7. Then you've got the notes, at least I do, and it's Thompson Chain got notes underneath the chapter there. But here in verse 1, you can tell by the way he starts off, it is a continuation from verse 18. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, what promises is he talking about? He said, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There's some of the immediate promises that he's referring to. So having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, he's not saying that to the world. The dearly beloved, that's his brothers and sisters in the church at Corinth. about in the last chapter cleanse ourselves uh, that's the same word from catharsis anybody familiar with that word if something is cathartic it is it helps to clean up something the early believers at various times and by asundered people were called the Cathar, C-A-T-H-A-R, from the same word. Why were they called that? Because they were pure ones. They believed in living a holy life. Well, you say, well, didn't they all? No, no. You see, the Catholics, early on, that's all you had was Catholics and Baptists. The Catholics killed them because they said the priest ought to live a holy life. They were persecuted and killed over living a holy life, amongst other things. Is that kind of, well, look at our world today. If you're on a job 
or at school, in your neighborhood, possibly even in your family, you are noticeably living for the Lord. Tell me you ain't got troubles. You do have troubles with those who, ref- who are not living for the Lord. They hate your guts. They don't like you doing that. They want you to be birds of a feather flocked together. Amen. Well, now that's just exactly what Paul said. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. That's what he says we must not do. This is what we must do. So, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now that spirit's man's spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. We don't have to... uh, Remove the filthiness from the Holy Spirit. There isn't any. But there is a spirit of man. He says oh, back over here. The spirit of man. So the flesh and the spirit. That means outside and inside. All of it. And. Perfecting holiness. In the fear of God. What's that mean? Perfecting holiness. Epiteleo. Two words. That's what that word is. Perfecting. With completion. Perfecting holiness. Pursuing holiness that it might be complete. It won't be in this life. But we're going after it. And that's what perfecting holiness. Did everybody know that? Yeah, you do. And that's exactly what the word says. Paul says, receive us. Evidently, the church at Corinth hadn't really received Paul and the others like they should have. So he says, receive us. That's an imperative. We have wronged no man. Could it be that they have accused Paul of wronging somebody? Well, preaching the whole counsel of the word of God. We get those accusations. Ah, you shouldn't preach judgment to those lost people. What should you preach to them? Just share the love of God with them. On what basis? My Bible teaches me that that the judgment of God is a message they all need to hear. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. Look back at 1 Corinthians 3.
Verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. What do you imagine defile means? To defile the temple of God, for it is holy. How would you go about defiling it? Dirty it up. And that's what he's talking about. Corrupt, dirty, defile. We have corrupted no man. Now, I'm not bragging on myself. There ain't much to brag on. But in all the years I've been preaching, in 1969, May the 5th when I surrendered, or Mother's Day, whenever Mother's Day was in May, May 1969, that's 54 years ago. I cannot count how many times I've preached and taught. I have no, no idea. There had many, many days, especially very few weeks go by, that I haven't preached more than once and taught more than once, sometimes multiple times a day. And I can guarantee you this. I have never preached a word that would have harmed anybody. Not one word would have ever harmed anybody. It may have upset them, but it wouldn't harm them. And I think that's what Paul's talking about. I've not, he said, we have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Cheated. He says, now I speak not this to condemn you. I'm not trying to lay it on to you. For I've said before that you all are in our hearts to die and live with you. He said, whatever you've done to us has, has not changed us. We're, we're here to live with you and here to die with you. But we're, we're with you. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Look back at chapter 2 of this chapter, this book. For when we were coming to Macedonia, look at verse 12, chapter 2. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and the door was opened unto me of the Lord. That's what he's referring to in verse 4, or verse uh, 5, I mean. But he's, even with all he's been through, they're exceeding joyful. And when we were coming to Macedonia, well, Troas, 
is right there at Macedonia, traveled one to the other. Our flesh had no rest. I think we can all identify what that means. We didn't have any rest, any sleep. Our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Now look at that. Somebody always fighting with. David said, I am for peace, but they are for war. He said that in the Psalms. God said, live peaceably with all men as much as possible within you. Live at peace with all men. And so David said, I'm for peace, but they're for war. It's hard to be at peace with them when they're for war. And he said, we, were, we had fightings without. That's from our enemies, God's enemies, and our enemies. But within were fears. Now we sometimes get the idea that the Apostle Paul was above being human. But he wasn't. Was he strong? Yes. Was he dedicated? Yes. But he's still human. And we're all still human. Jesus became a man. And he had weaknesses. He got tired. He thirsted. He hungered. So Paul said we had fightings without and fears within. Now notice he didn't say without were fightings, within were fears. He didn't say without were fightings and within were fears. That's called an ascendentum. Anybody want to remember that one? That's a figure of speech. It's when you drop the these and the ands, you just say Without and within. I didn't say I said and, but you don't do. That's a, anyway. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Look back at chapter one of first Corinthians. Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given in you by Jesus Christ and in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge uh, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. And here he says some words about him comforting. Uh, anyway, He's the God of all comfort is what he is. But look what he says. Paul says, God that comforteth those that are cast down 
comforted us. And that adds what I'm saying to Paul being a human. He was cast down. Everything was getting to him. But he praises God for his comfort. And by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. That he brought me news that you all had taken good care of him. And that brought me comfort. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, that's mourn like said, you know. Your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. He'd begun to feel like that the Corinthians didn't want him around at all. But when Titus came and told him how they were reacting to Paul, their desire towards him and all of that, that picked his spirits right back up. Now he says, for though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now here, he said, he said I do not repent that I wrote you a letter and made you all sorry. That was the first Corinthian letter. Look at all the rebukes that he had for him in there. Plus, over the man. Chapter 5. With his father's wife. He says, I made you sorry with the letter. I do not repent. Now that's the word for repent. Metanoio. Meta means change. And noio, mind. True repentance is a change of mind. It's not a casual change of mind. True repentance, a man or a woman, is not saved. They have no thoughts towards God and His righteousness and His judgment. But when one truly repents, they have a complete change of mind towards God. Amen. Repentance is towards God and faith is toward Jesus Christ. So when one repents, they have another mind. And it's not one they turn off today and turn off tomorrow. It is a complete change of mind towards God, who God is and who you are, and God's righteousness, God's justice. And that leads to faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he says in Acts. Uh, repentance is towards God and faith is towards Jesus Christ. <clears throat> He said, I do not repent, though I did regret metamelomai. Different word. I did regret. Well, what's he mean? He regretted having to do it. You ever do something you regret? You ever whoop your child and regret it? You regret that you had to do it? You ever do it? Didn't mean you changed your mind about it. 
You had to do it, but you regretted that you had to do it. And that's what he's saying. So these are two different words. They're not the same word. So they shouldn't be confusing. For I perceive that the same epistle, that's letter. Now the uh, the, uh, uh, translators, they put letter, uh, epistle here, and then the last sentence put letter. Same word. Why do you do that? If you've ever written anything, you don't want to use the same word all the time. If you can find a synonymous term, it breaks the monotony up. It doesn't make it look like you're going to see it on one word. I notice that sometimes. It just seems like, well, that word comes up all the time. You know, let's find a, another word saying we don't want to change the meaning. We want, want a synonym here. Anyway, so that's what they're doing. Uh, For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. didn't last long. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. He says, my purpose is not just to make you miserable. When I teach a class, I do not want to fail anybody. That's not my purpose. My purpose is to teach. He says, I, my purpose is not to make you miserable. You know, honestly, it ought never to be our purpose to make anybody miserable. I mean, you didn't marry your wife to make her miserable, did you? Marry your husband to make him miserable, have your kids to make them miserable. And some people, all they can do is provide misery. If you never saw that movie, Misery, you'll never look at the sledgehammer again. But why would you want to make somebody's life miserable by physically or verbally running your mouth? That's not what you're here on earth for. God didn't put us here to make people miserable. Now, to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God is quite another thing. But for me and my flesh, just to make you miserable, because I'm so mean and sorry and full of myself, that's not what we're here for. He says, I made you sorry. I rejoice not that you were made sorry or sorry of. Yeah, sorry. I mean, that's not what I'm rejoicing about. You missed the point. He said, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Not regret. Repentance. So he's convinced right now that they've changed. And that letter he wrote to make them sorry helped to serve to bring that about. And that's what he's rejoicing over. Amen. For you all were made sorry after a godly manner. 
He didn't do all that in his flesh. He did that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The leadership of God. That you might receive damage by us and nothing. That's, to hurt you, damage you, is not what we're about. Because godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Now you know Judas sorrowed. And went and hanged himself. I don't want that kind of sorrow to you. He sorrowed to, to his repentance and he hanged himself. No, that's a different kind. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow. When God works in you, people talk about being convicted of their sins. Well, I hope they know what they're talking about. To be convicted of your sins is that in your sinfulness is that God does a work of grace in you and the law comes alive and you die like you was already dead. Now you know you're dead. Like Paul said. I was alive once with the law until sin came. The law came and sin revived and I died. He was already spiritually dead, but, he'd, but his, in his estimation of himself, he died like he should have been. And that's what happens to you. And that's godless sorrow that works repentance to salvation. And that's not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world... Work of death. That's what we don't want. For behold this self same thing. That you all sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. Careful about what? About what you say. About what you do. About where you go. Carefulness. About your life. Many people's lives. Let it go. Do whatever comes. And that's all it means to them. And I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about your life. Oh, so what? That ain't nothing. One who's truly repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ has been changed. And we're careful about our lives. That's what he says. And then what carefulness it worked in you. Wrought, worked in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Well, you can go through each one of these much sermon. What clearing? Well, let's see. Uh, I just got saved and there was a store that I stole some stuff in. Put it under my coat and walked out with it. They never knew it. I got away with it. 
but I know it, and I know God knows it. Go and clear that. You've done wrong to somebody. You go clear yourself. You don't leave things hanging. What did he say in Matthew 18? If you've offended your brother, before you ever try to offer worship to God, you stop. And you go and get this straightened out with your brother. And then you come back and make, make your offering to God. And that's what he's talking about here. What, yea, what clearing of yourselves. I tell you what, there'd be a lot of work for a lot of people to do. They spread a whole lot of bad stuff. And then God saves them. Well, that you need to clear yourself. You need to get a little change going on that reputation. Uh, yea, what indignation. Not at everybody else. To be indignant. What? I believe that indignation is of yourself. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Fear of Almighty God. Yea, what vehement desire to serve the Lord. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. And that's not against somebody else. Against yourself. In all things, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause, Let's be Titus. That he had done the wrong. Nor for his cause that suffered wrong. Now that's, that's the guy back in chapter uh, 5 of 1 Corinthians. But that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Therefore we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. So that's what he was he was rejoicing in Titus because of Titus's message, and he's rejoicing in them because Titus had such a message. And still that guy in chapter five of First Corinthians, that's there in verse twelve. For if I have boasted anything to him of you, that is to Titus, I'm not ashamed. Uh, bragged on the church at Corinth to Titus, that's what he's talking about. But as we speak all things to you in truth, I made before Titus 
is found a truth. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you. Whilst he remembereth the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you all received him. I rejoice, therefore, that I have confidence in you in all things. So now, now that he's got that over with about what he had to work sorrow in them about, now he's building them up because of the way things have worked out. Now, if they hadn't shown themselves to have repented, he wouldn't have done this. He couldn't have done this. But that's the reason that he was able to us. So now, we, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. <clears throat> I've been rebuked over this a few times in my ministry, personally and church-wise. But it is not wrong to hold up this church or these churches and tell this church we should be like that. Oh, does that make people mad? Oh, it does. But that's what Paul's saying here. He says, we do you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Well, Corinth is down in Greece. Macedonia is up here on the European continent. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. That's their giving. It's something I always really, really impressed by. The people of Brazil. You go back into the interior, well, even in the big cities you see it. You know, you see Rio de Janeiro. And you see all the, the beaches and all this. On just the other side of that big mountain. That whole side of that mountain is full of favelas. That's little shacks made out of cardboard and tin, whatever they can find. It's on a garbage dump. And that whole mountain is full of it. And that's where those mostly women and kids live. Some men, but mostly women and kids. You go back in the interior and those villages, most of those people, they live back in those villages, grass huts, thatch roofs, jungle sticks tied together, mud chinked in there. If they have any money at all, they buy a big bag of cement and mix that in with the mud. And that keeps them from washing away in the first rainy season. But if they don't have that cement to mix in that mud, they go ahead and fill those sticks up. They got them tied with bark, vines. They fill them up. 
And the first time the rainy season hits, where it's rain every day, many of them get killed because the huts collapse. And they got hedges, got hammocks hanging up on them. And they're in bed. And the whole thing collapses on them and kills them. I mean, you're talking about poor. And many of those people never get out of those villages. Never. And I hear people, I ain't got much, I ain't got much. Go down there and see what you got. No comparison. Anyway, here's my thing. Those people, they are the happiest people. You couldn't find that much happiness in all of New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Miami. You couldn't find that many people That'll break out in a song just any time. We go back in the interior, way back there. Two o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. And so, Brother Henderson, the missionary, he's with the Lord now. He had found Brother Satu or one of those. Sosthenes, one of those brethren that was the pastor of that mission. We got to have a service. You all are here. We have to have a service. And those people start coming out of nowhere. You see them walking way down to a river. And they got those square five-gallon, old-fashioned square five-gallon cans. And they got water carrying it on the little kids, 10, 11 year old, walking, carrying that water on their head. And they're singing, they're happy. We're going to have a church service. And then they go and they got homemade showers. Somebody's got to get up there and pour water, can't pour it all. And then they get under it, take a shower, and get to church. Tuesday afternoon and nobody was expecting us. But here we got a full house. And ain't nobody gave me an excuse why they couldn't be there. And I had the only musical instrument in the whole village. French harp. And we're singing. And those kids, you don't have to beg the little brats to sing. They... I bet the same way in the Philippines. Those kids lift up their voices and sing. They're happy to participate. They're happy to be able to sing. As far as they haven't got anything. Barely got flip-flops to wear. I love them. Love them dearly. Because they're not all about material. Anyway, he says, now here are these churches in Macedonia, and I think they're probably about this same way. In a great trial of affliction, now I don't know specifically what he's talking about. The abundance of their joy. Affliction Somebody doing something to you. 
and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality, of their giving. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. There's a big battle right there. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Oh, please receive our gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And that word fellowship there, it has, it ha- has to do with giving money. And this they did, not as we hoped. But first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now he's not bad-mouthing the Macedonians. He's just holding them up as exemplary to the church at Corinth. Now if if you're full of the flesh, full of yourself, who does he think he is? Comparing us to them. You know how I can make that mockery? Because I have heard it. (laughs) Directed towards me. Anyway. They first gave themselves to the Lord. And then unto us. By the will of God. Man. Man. This is good and good. Remember what what the reactions to repentance are. Carefulness, clearing, indignation, fear, vehement desire, zeal, revenge. May the Lord bless you all.